0: Diverse voices, unique sound,
1: not the same old thing, different, different.
0: This is
1: NOCO FM.
0: Dreams really do come true. And Cindy Saray has been helping people make dreams come true for over 27 years. Cindy Saray is the founder and executive director for Adoption Dreams Come True, a nonprofit domestic adoption agency based in Fort Collins, Colorado. With over 28 years in the field of social work and in the adoption arena, her passion is clear. Her belief that every child deserves a home that is loving, safe, and permanent is the foundation of the work her agency does for birth parents, adoptive parents, and children. As a result of her focus, Cindy has been a part of over 500 placements of children into permanent, happy homes. Cindy Saray is someone who lives her dreams, and she lives her passion, which is to help other people make connections, find deeper happiness, and truly make their dreams come true. This is The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I'm here in the studio with Cindy Saray from Adoption Dreams Come True, a nonprofit domestic adoption agency based here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome, Cindy, to the spark. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, I was doing a little research um, online about the agency, and it was founded in 2005. What inspired you to start the agency?
1: You know, it's interesting because I feel like um it happened to me, it wasn't the other way around. Like I started, my career was um, early on. I I, want, I knew I wanted to be a social worker, but to be honest, it was the classes I could pass in college. And you know, I always had a passion for people, but I was doing really well in those classes and maybe because I was passionate about it. So by the time I graduated, um, my first job was in actual child protection. And I met a woman when I was working in child protection in Glenwood Springs and she was opening an adoption agency. We were both we're both kind of a little odd, I would say. You know, I just that's my one of my favorite parts about me is that I just kind of draw myself to all kinds of interesting people. Anyway, the woman I met was opening an adoption agency. And years, years later, I had moved on from Glenwood Springs, I'd worked in the county for a while. And I had decided to stop my job um, and go to work for a dentist because I needed some crowns, which is really funny because I, I just didn't have the money to get my teeth fixed. So I thought, well, it's time for a break. I'm going to go get my teeth fixed. So I managed a dental clinic. While I was there, she called me and said, is there a chance you could go meet a birth mother for me and do some counseling um, in Boulder? And I said, well, I'm not really sure if I I know what I'm doing, but..." Sure. So she sent me some information and I packed up my stuff and went to Boulder. And I ended up helping a woman place her baby. She was from Morocco. And it was my gotcha moment. She didn't speak any English, so I had to get an interpreter. And I met her um, in a very vulnerable spot. And we just ended up talking about why she wasn't able to um, parent her child. And so what happened as a result of that is she would have been exiled from her country and her family and she wanted her baby to have a better life. So I ended up placing the baby and helping her throughout the next course of three months. During that time, I just realized I loved what I was doing and I didn't um, make much money doing it, but I enjoyed helping her out on occasion. And at one point, she had decided that um, she'd like me to work a little bit more. And she said, Is there a chance you would do some work from that side of the slope? She lived over on the other, on the western side of the slope. So I said, Yes all the time while working for this dental office. And ironically, not the dentist that I worked for, but the um, dentist within the office. He said, hey, kid, you really love this. Why don't you go live your passion? And I said, you mean just adoptions? And he said, yeah. He said, I'll give you some money to quit your job. I'm going to help you succeed. If you want the money, I'm going to help you. Well, I was overwhelmed and I was excited but I was nervous and I said I won't take the money but if I need to eat I'm calling you. So I quit my job and I actually delivered papers, worked in a bar, did whatever I could to kind of supplement my income while I helped this woman and her agency was called Littlest Angels. Um, so I got to work for the adoption agency for her for since 1997. So she asked me if I uh, wanted to Open my own agency. And I said, I don't know how to open my own agency. She said, well, I'm closing mine and it's gotten too big. So I'm going to let you go back to school. And when you graduate, I want you to jump out of this nest and fly. So that's what I did. I went to grad school and with no money in my pocket and no business experience, I opened Adoption Dreams Come True with a woman named Emily Watson. She was in my grad school. We started the agency together. And within a couple of months told me she was leaving to San Francisco or that's where her family was. And she had, had just had a baby. And so as scared as I was, uh, I had to continue doing what I was doing. And so had anyone ever told me how hard it was going to be, I might not have done it at first, but it was really hard. I poured my whole life, heart and soul into it. Um, but it found me. So I feel like it's evolved over the years. I absolutely never regret what happened. Um, it's taken a long time to get here, but I'm super happy and I've been able to impact lives and people impact my life daily. So that was a really long answer to your question, but it is exactly what happened.
0: Well, it's it, actually, you, you answered even my second question, which was going to be just tell me about the journey, you know, and and so it's just th- this adoption dreams come true. Couldn't be a better title for the agency. Um, It's other people's dreams come true, and it's also yours. Yeah.
1: Did you open it originally then in Fort Collins? I did. What we did is, I'm based in Fort Collins, but I have satellite presences throughout the state of Colorado because here my agency works really well because I have a huge volunteer following and board members and community support but I get babies and families from all over the state. So over time, I've created some satellite presences, which is really a way to practice venues, other venues. So uh, I work in Steamboat, Salida, Telluride, Colorado Springs, Denver, anywhere, Grand Junction, pretty much across the state. So one minute, sometimes in the mornings, I'm in Grand Junction and the next day I'm in La Junta. So birth parents and adoptive parents all over the state. But my main hub here is in Fort Collins. And how many babies since then have you placed? You know, I didn't really count from when I started Adoption Dreams. I kind of count time in the game, if that makes sense. So as a social worker, because where I started in um, the Department of Social Services, I also placed babies there. All the way through my career, I would say I'm now in upwards of 600 babies.
0: That is fantastic.
1: Yeah, super fun. What is your mission at Adoption
0: Dreams come true?
1: I always to create a happy, healthy, permanent home for children. And sometimes that means an adoption plan. And sometimes that means supporting a birth parent around getting resources and making that happen for herself. Um, I feel like I'm not attached to the outcome of my cases. I'm just attached to the children and seeing that they have a happy, healthy home. So my mission is always to make that sure that that happens, that it's a permanent one and that they get all the love that they can get. I feel like, uh, I've been supported by the community in a way that has allowed me to be quality versus quantity. I get a lot of fundraising. I get a lot of support from people. So it helps me spend a lot of time with clients. I keep a small clientele on the adoptive side, and then the birth parent side is unlimited. Sometimes I work with 50 moms in a year, but only 12 of those might do an adoption. But everything they get is free. So counseling, support, resources, anything I can do to help them either make that loving choice to put their child's needs before the want of their heart, I think is an amazing process to watch and watching them choose their child, whatever that is, whether it's parenting or adoption. So um, our mission is to just make sure kids are happy and healthy.
0: What beliefs of yours drive this operation?
1: That's a great question, actually, because for me, uh, adoption dreams is all about what I wanted my agency to look like. And the way I made that happen was I initially went out to a bunch of adoption agencies and I pretended either to be a birth parent, an adoptive parent, a same-sex parent, a biracial couple, a married couple, a single woman, and I pretended to be something different in every agency, um, which later in life I would see people at meetings and they would say, how do we know you? And I was like, well, I was a birth mom at your agency. Um and oh, pretend, I t- <laughs> birth mom. pretend birth mom, yeah. So what I would do is just kind of see what felt right. And then I kind of took the best of all of those and brought it to my own. I always wanted my agency to be something that felt comfortable for everyone. I feel like I don't fit in anyone's box, and I think that I didn't want anyone to feel like they had to fit in a box or that everything was just one way. So I've built a lot of my agency around just wanting people people to have a safe haven. So I'm not faith-based. I'm not government-funded. I work with all races, religions, sexual orientation. So I feel like my agency encompasses of who I want to be. It's just open to people and open to life. And people walk in my door. There's not one person that walks in my door that's really happy. They either come in because they're sad because they don't have children and don't have a way to have children or they come in because they find themselves with an unplanned pregnancy. So there's not this like joyous moment when people walk through my door, but by the time we're done, we get to a place of joy and someone's joy comes from someone's pain. But we always work through that in such a a great way. I feel like at the end, we make families in all the right ways, so.
0: And you know, I think one of the things that that is kind of a misconception about adoption, I think people don't really know the process. You know, it's kind of like they think, I, I think a lot of people have the misconception that you go in and you fill out some papers and then somebody hands you a baby and, and that's it. So I know that there's a lot, a lot of work um, in the trenches yeah. behind that. And and can you speak to that a little bit about just what
1: the process is like? There's two for Sure. So the adopting side, um, there's a licensing process. So they come in and I always say it's so hard because you go from zero to intimate in like 10 seconds because I, you're asking me to qualify you to be parents. So I'm looking at your background. So we do background checks, CBI, FBI, child abuse registry, sex offender registries. We look at your finances. We know everything about you from your finances to your sex life which is I'm a stranger. And so that happens in a matter of days. And so you're you come in so vulnerable, but we spend a lot of time looking at people and we look at your past, your present and your future. People come in and they have all kinds of life. You know, I feel like if you come in and you tell me you had nothing hard in your life, I'm going to worry way more about you than I'm going to worry about somebody who comes in and has had some color to their life and has lived a little bit of life. So what we end up doing is, I always say, it's not what happened. It's what you did with it. There's a couple of things that we rule people out on. And that's generally, if there was assault, sexual assault, abuse of a child, obviously there's no moving forward from that. Um, but the uh, the process itself, if you know, people make mistakes, I had someone come in once that told me, he had a felony because he stole a street sign in college in <laughs> a drunken party and he said so i have a felony and i said hmm okay well we can work with that one yeah. you know i uh, i feel like it's a really hard process for folks because they're so vulnerable by the time they come to me they're really wanting to be parents and they don't just start with adoption most people end with adoption so they've gone through fertility treatments multiple losses trying to have children for years so when they get to me They're not only vulnerable, but they're sad. They've spent a lot of money and they kind of just want a family and they feel like this is their last stop, which I don't necessarily wish that were that way because I feel like it's such an amazing way to create a family. But they come in and we license them and I'm never afraid to say no because I also have to sleep at night. So if I feel like there would be a reason not for them not to be a parent, I don't have a problem saying no. I also don't attach myself to necessarily anything but the right outcome for a child. So if I always keep that in mind, when I'm licensing a family, it really works out. So I license families. Uh, the other piece is a birth mom who comes in. Um, sometimes they come in when they find out they're pregnant and they're one week into a pregnancy and we've got nine months to go. And sometimes I'm at the hospital and they've already delivered or they're in the midst of labor when they call me. So the the depth of what you have to talk to them about and and be with them in their hard space I feel like the journey I get to walk with all of them it's so intimate it's not like it's not like buying a fruit basket it's literally walking into somebody's life and helping them find the parents for their child is something I can't explain except for that it's tender it's hard it's joyful it's tearful it's exciting it's scary all in one breath and sometimes multiple times in that process. So I feel like um, I am so fortunate to walk alongside all these people in these really hard journeys. I feel like uh, creating families the way that I do is amazing, but having people allow me into that part of their life is something that I can't even explain to anyone, really. It's an amazing feeling to have someone earn someone's trust so quickly, and you just become so intimate part of their lives. And the good news is, is now I've attended this year, weddings and graduations and baby showers of children I placed. And so that makes me feel old. But at the same time, I earned every gray hair wrinkle. And I feel like that makes me feel good about myself. I I actually wouldn't change the wrinkles because I know how I got them. And it's like a roadmap to a really good place in my life. So it's been great.
0: That's beautiful. You know, I I, I think um, I'm so struck by the amount of presence and vulnerability and the intimacy in which you deal in people's lives and really within their hearts. You know, this this becomes life. It's a lifelong journey. You know, it's not just here, here's the child and see ya. No, You know, I mean, that that's the beautiful part that I'm hearing of this journey for you is it really becomes, you become interwoven in people's lives at a very deep heart level.
1: Yeah, I'm very
0: fortunate. What a special gift. I've known you and I know that you're an amazing woman and you have great passion for what you do. What for you feels like the most rewarding aspect of your role in connecting families?
1: Wow, there's so many. Um, I, th- I think for me, the, the fact that when I see people and I I immediately feel this connection to them in a way that I don't know that I see other people. In fact, when I tell my, I tell stories and I have friends that'll say to me, you have to make that up. I can't believe that happens to you. And I, I just want to say that I think it, it is an amazing thing. I, I feel like what drove me and what makes me feel really good about it is that it is truly my passion and I walk away every day and I feel really Good about myself, but it's like you walk into a room and I never feel like I'm a stranger. I feel like I'm able to talk to people and they're able to talk to me. It's been the best part of my life. I never feel lonely. Like I just feel like there's this immense amount of love around what I do, but not just giving it, but receiving it and having people enjoy what my heart and my life's passion has been. But by virtue of that, being able to gain friendships, relationships that I might not have otherwise been able to do. So I feel like it's an amazing way that I've created family of all kinds and different shapes and size, but not only for other people, but for myself, you know, I have quite a web of people that I truly love and feel loved back by. So, so there's,
0: there's this amazing reward. It sounds like at the, at the end of the day yeah. and, and this kind of cumulative effect in your heart and soul as you continue, you know, this journey with people. And yet I know, like, as we're talking about, you know, you're going through the trenches, with these people, and your day-to-day work isn't always uh, without its challenges. Right. What What do you find is the most challenging aspect of your job?
1: Not being able to maybe predict an outcome for someone or to get to them as quickly as they need. You know, I, I feel like sometimes people come in and they're really um, vulnerable and sad and you want to take that sadness away. So I think for myself, I the, the challenge is just not taking it too much to heart and understanding no no matter how hard I work, as long as I've done my job, I'm still doing a good job and if I do it well. But you can't help but not have your heart be in that. So my heart gets broken a lot, you know, but I also feel like over the years without that, if I just got up and mechanically worked through my day, I don't think I would ever be good at what I do. And so I am grateful for the heartbreak. I'm grateful For all the moments that I get to see and be alongside people, but it doesn't go without creating scars for myself. You know, you watch somebody in deep pain and um, vulnerability like that, and it's hard to sometimes shake off. But there's also this part of me that knows I've always done the best I can do and as long as I do that. I, I will be okay, but there are days when it's it's super hard and there's no way of planning my life either. you know babies come when babies come so in fact as I was coming to this interview I got a phone call and um, luckily they are able to wait a little while for me to go but literally I just drop what I'm doing and I go and I've gotten better at doing that. when I first started, I think that I would get disappointed and if I had a plan or I was going somewhere and I had to stop what I was doing and now I'm just like Now, this is how life works and there's nothing better than the end result of what I'm doing if I help them get through their process. So, But it is a challenge.
0: What do you do to decompress or what do you do when you've had some of those rough days?
1: I laugh. I find a friend. I laugh. I travel. Um, I celebrate the small moments. I do things that uh, I love to hike. I love to be with my dog. I like to be outside, but I do have a great network of friends and family and really that's my everything they they support me they build me up and laughter is my favorite thing so I find a way to laugh in every day even when it's hard because that's kind of like my elixir of life I would say so making something funny out of just little things in my day are, are pretty great
0: well and I know just how important that is you know I'm having a clinical practice myself and knowing that all day long I've got people that are coming in and and you and I have spoken about this we're We're very similar in the fact that people don't usually walk into my office really happy either, right? And so it's important how we're programming, if you will, our mornings and taking care of ourselves as well at the end of the day. Yeah. So I remember a time when every morning I would listen to comedy radio. That's a great idea. <laughs> So I could just you know be laughing before I, I went into the office, and so I love that you access this this you know humor and a network of friends and you know your dog and being in nature and you have all these different ways and and you have an amazing sense of humor. So I know that's <laughs> one of the parts of you that that it is so it is so refreshing because I I remember thinking about there was a woman I used to work with in Cheyenne. And I could hear her laughing every session, every therapy session. And I thought, I want to be like that. Because I think at that point, I was just new into psychotherapy. And so I, you know, having a private practice. So I thought I needed to be a lot more serious. And I love it now. I feel like we find something almost every session to laugh about. Yeah. And so I'm like, now, now I can be that person that brings that levity because that's what makes life and the challenges we go through so much more bearable.
1: That's so true. I actually, I get that from you all the time. I feel like you're, you make me smile even when I don't think I have a smile left sometimes and you just make me belly laugh. So I love you.
0: Well, thank you. (laughs) Back at you. So Cindy, will you share
1: an adoption story with us? Yeah. So I got a call from a hospital in a small mountain town, and they had told me that they had a card with my phone number on it from 1997. So I wasn't Littlest Angels anymore. I was already adoption teams come true, but I never changed my phone number. So they called me and they said, we remembered working with you. Could you come? I said, yes. So the, the, the woman was 14 years old and she, well, she was a child, but she was a woman, very scared coming from a family that culturally might have had a hard time with her doing an adoption, but she kind of felt like she needed to do this for her. And at that age, you would think I would have to call a parent, but you don't. Um, As long as they're able and capable to make that decision and understand what they're doing, they get the right to choose not to call their family. So she had told her family that she had abdominal pains, and she was in the ER, and she really just had had a baby. Her family wanted to come visit, so we moved her from the birthing ward to a different ward, so it would look like she was there just for monitoring of her abdominal pains. It was heartbreaking to watch her not be able to tell her family at the time, but she I think she did it out of protection for them because she felt like they wouldn't be able to let her make that decision. And she knew what was in the best interest of her child, even at 14. So I got to stay with her and spend a lot of time with her at the hospital. Ultimately we placed her baby. And once she had gotten through that process of placing baby and the adoption was final, she asked me to be part of telling her parents. So we told her parents and they were really sad that she didn't feel like she could come to them, but they ultimately were supportive and she has a great relationship with her adoptive family. They see each other a couple times of a year. She now is older and has um, other children. And she stays in touch with the adoptive family. But more importantly, too, we stay in touch. And I'll always remember her in ways that I i just remember thinking she's 14 and she's making a decision that no one should have to make at 14, let alone any age, but 14 you're still growing and healing. But the amount of love she had for that child and knowing at that time that was the best thing that she could ever do for that child is something I'll never forget. And watching her be sad and also be grateful. We've had great conversations. And as she's grown into a young woman and now having a career, I I visit her often. And it's been an amazing thing to watch her grow. And she always is grateful for the time we spent together, but more importantly for the life she was able to give her child. It's something that, uh, you know, I, I meet people in all ages and stages of their life, but the semblance of mind she had and the semblance of heart to do what she did at that age is amazing. All birth parents are amazing. They make a choice to, to do things for their child, um, for the best interest of their child. But, I can't make that de- I couldn't make that decision at fifty as well as she did at fourteen, so you know you you meet people that are amazing all the time in amazing ways that you don't know how amazing they are and I know you get to meet i listen to your podcast all the time, you meet these amazing people, and I don't necessarily get to share that with the world the way that you get to share that with the world, but I feel like I get to meet amazing people every day too, and they're different you know i uh I look at her now and I watched her grow and I watched the parent she's become, um, and the, the ability to, to be who she is and the strength she draws from what she, she did is amazing. So yeah, I think that's one that sticks in my head really, really well.
0: Well, and what a gift that you travel throughout this lifetime and continue to be in touch with her so that you don't just end the relationship when the adoption's over.
1: No, um, that's one of the things my agency, that was one of the things I wanted the agency to do is um, give lifetime free counseling. So they come back from years past to talk to me. I've also helped a lot of birth moms that maybe didn't get the right counseling that they needed through other agencies. And on my website, there's some videos of folks that I've helped, but one of them in particular, she had given up a child um, in an adoption plan to a family in California. She told me she had counseling over the phone and that she really needed help. So fast and furiously, we started to work together. And a couple of years later, she has asked to, she did one of my videos. She comes in and she donates her time. She's pretty amazing. And she always says, I just, I know that I wasn't your birth mom. And I said, it doesn't matter to me. So we do free counseling and I have birth parents that I've known for now 27 years. So it's pretty amazing here's something you might not know NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now
0: We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So, if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends.
1: Remember, that's www.noco.fm.
0: There. I'm Kev Cat, and I host Gadio, the weekly hour-long show dedicated to spotlighting musicians within the LGBTQIA community. You can listen to the show every Friday night at 7
1: p.m. Mountain Standard Time at F M. That's N-O-C-O dot F-M.
0: I'm so blown away by the depth and the scope of the services that you provide. It's one of these things that, I, again, I don't think is really well known, yeah. what this process is like and how in depth, I mean, talk about just digging into the authentic selves of these people that you work with and having to share truly. I mean, talk about I you know, not, not having your own life in a lot of ways. You know like you said it's like when a baby's born that's it you know we, we can't predict there there's some divine timing that that we're not always privy to and and so your ability to switch then into that mode and into that gear um
1: that took years <laughs> i'm 51 now so that makes a huge difference
0: <laughs> but you know i think for any of us though right. i mean so you you've learned some really powerful lessons yeah. through this process what what do you think personally, as you reflect back on that, what are some of those important just personal lessons from this journey for you?
1: Well, I think for a, a lot of it is that I see people go through such change and hardship in their life, so I have to recognize how full and wonderful my life is, and I think what it taught me is that no matter how hard of a day you're having or how rough you have it, somebody might have it rougher, um, and that... Everyone has hard stuff. It doesn't matter who you are. It's just kind of how it presents, you know? And I I used to envy people who looked like they didn't have any problems. And I think what I've realized is everyone does. They just maybe don't show it in the same way. Yeah, some people are better at faking it than others. Yeah, yeah. And I think I used to be the person that would just lay it all out and uh, always want to retract a little bit. So I've also learned a little bit of patience around myself in processing. Like when I need to process instead of saying it out loud every day, I kind of think inwardly and then come back. And I, I utilize people in my life that I trust and I value. I've learned I don't have to do this by myself. That is one of the big things with my agency that... I'm successful not because I'm great at what I do. I mean, I think I'm good at what I do for sure, but I think the best quality I have is that I have the ability to rally great people around me. So, you know, every step I've made has been with the push or a nudge of somebody important in my life or someone who believed what I was doing was important and that I could ask for help if I needed it. I started out as kind of a, a one man or two man stand, and then back to a one man. But I wasn't really alone. I had volunteers that had started with me in my early years, and they're still with me. Some of them started when they were in their fifties and sixties, and twenty some years later, they're in their eighties. They're still helping. So, you That's know, awesome. I have uh, I have this great ability to bring people together. But this agency exists because I have people, not because we have me. You know, I might be the impetus that started some things, but I never, ever take for granted the kind of support I have, whether it be family, friends, community, donor supporter, adopt, you know, there, there's, everyone is a part of that. I feel like every time I turn around and especially when I get scared, you know, I'm a not-for-profit so you don't always have money. I remember being scared and then at one point I just woke up and I thought, why am I scared? Because it always comes. The money always comes. Um, So I've learned just to kind of live life a little bit and just know that I can't predict outcomes. So attaching myself to the guarantee of a predictable outcome is not something that I can do. So I don't. I also know that when I see something in someone, I just grab on and see if it, if we're a connection and it helps in everything I do. So I get, I create great friendships, great relationships. That's how I met you. Um, You know, I have some, I have some amazing ability to, to recognize that this is not something I do alone.
0: Well, and it was wonderful to see the fruition of some of this uh, last weekend Mm -hmm. at your gala and fundraiser Winter Dreams. And I mean, what what an amazing event. And it was so beautiful, Cindy. It was absolutely wonderful seeing all these people there supporting this foundation And, and some of the families there and some of the children there. Um, What a beautiful event. And so this, tell me a little bit about that. That's this
1: yearly event that you put on. Yeah, we do an annual fundraiser. And I think we haven't gotten this date honed in quite, but I think it'll be November 2nd next year. It's usually around the first week of November and um, literally I'll start in January. I've already got the band, the MC, the that kind of thing. But uh, it raises enough funds to help us with the free birth parent counseling per year. So that's kind of why we do it. And it's a compilation of things. One of my really great pieces of this is that I, I have done some pre-counseling for offenders in the, the prison system. And so in turn, the prisons have turned back and have helped me by creating items for auction. Uh, I get donations from adoptive parents, from birth parents, from all kinds of people. And we all come together to kind of celebrate family, but in the same breath, we're also able to raise money to continue with the mission of the agency. So the GAL is a one time a year event. And then my wonderful volunteers, they're uh, like I said, they decided to kind of pull out of doing the gala but in turn started doing bingo every monday at uh, Bingo Planet in Loveland and little did i know how much money that would make but without those volunteers my agency would not be the agency it is today so fundraising's huge the gala's a great time to celebrate people it's a lot of work but the the piece that i really love is you're right the watching the people come together and feeling the the group support which is awesome
0: so and i can absolutely testify to how hard you worked (laughs) in the months before that literally i i was so blown away by the magnitude of what you do and i just have to say you know for the listening audience i mean this woman is traipsing across country in a moving van, going to the Western <laughs> Slope in a snowstorm <laughs> and and getting these items for auction and, and dropping into bed every night. I mean, for months, Cindy, it, it was absolutely amazing. And that's where I see your passion. And that's where I see this heart driven cause that, that you are so committed to. And it was just it's, it was so beautiful. Thank witnessing you. that all come together, and this beautiful night and just great speakers and great music and wonderful film tribute and the things you shared and this agency being your heart. I mean, they they were all just so evident and just fantastic. thank you, thank you. and And it was wonderful to be a part of that, you it's know, wonderful and to have you. Cindy and I are both members of a random acts of Kindness women's group. And so we had most of our members there. Cindy provided a table for us, and so it was such a special event to be able to be a part of. So, so thank special you. to have
1: you too. Thank you.
0: Before we run out of time, I want to ask you, you know, on a personal level, Cindy, who do you feel like has inspired you the most throughout your lifetime,
1: and why? Wow. So throughout my lifetime, there's been a lot of people, but I'm going to start. I do. I, I think my dad my dad has been this person. Um, I always call him, he plays a trumpet and he's Hungarian, but so in my head, he's the Hungarian in my heart and the trumpet in my head. So, you know, he taught me a lot about values of life. He came from a really hard situation and made the most of his life. And he's never taken for granted one day, the opportunity he's gotten. And he's this amazing person who's 80 years old. He, um, He'd probably kill me for telling his age, but his exuberance for life, his dedication to people, his ability to embrace family, you know, our family's not like any others either. You know, we, we all have, we all have crazy in our family, but there's something so special about my dad. Who's always said family should always come first and, and his work ethic, he taught me how to work so hard. And so I feel like I have an agency because I had this person behind me that, he didn't let me get away with anything. He pushed me hard and I'm grateful to him for that. You know, he, he's taught me many lessons in life and I know that no matter what, he's in my corner. Um, so I would say my dad is probably, and my mom, she's, she's been passed, but they were great inspirations in my life. And then there's been women in And people in my life that have shown me strength of being a single woman and creating a business and sandy witten is the woman who helped me find that you know no one i didn't know i could even believe in myself as much as i did she believed in me more than anyone and she gave me wings to fly in this business i honestly she just always said you can do this and i remember the day she was gonna close the other agency i said i can't do this i don't know how to do this and she said you're already doing it. Just go fly. She said, you're ready. And she slowly backed away and let me take over and do what I needed to do. And so I would say, as far as my career path, she pushed me in a way that, and believed in me in a way that I never would have imagined somebody could. And sometimes that's what you need is just one person, one person to believe in you and the world can take flight. So she did.
0: When you look back over this amazing career, this amazing, you know, lifetime, I mean, it's so wonderful to hear these stories of the people that inspired you to now do the things that you do and how much you inspire other people. Um, Do you have any what you would consider professional highlights over your, you know, 28 plus year career?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was a small business and ran on a very limited budget for many years. Uh, so another woman who came into my life, uh, strong, single woman, Ginger Drew. So she, she helped me grow my agency in a way that I never thought possible. So thinking I would never be able to have salaries that were competitive or to be able to offer benefits or do any of those things. And she helped me create a business that is something that I can pass on. So it's a legacy now. It's not just my dream. It's not just my passion. It's not a hobby. It's something that it's a well-oiled machine. Um, no one teaches you how to run a business when you're a social worker. You know, I love the people part. But nobody said I'd have to do accounting. So, you <laughs> math, know, what? math, <laughs> what? I have to do that. I have to write a business plan. I have to do things like that. Um, so watching my business to shift from something that I think people initially thought was just that, just you know, a thought, a fleeting moment of, oh, she's starting a business. It's a real business. I feel like feeling very arrived. I walk into places and people say, oh, I know who you are. I know your adoption dream. You're Cindy from adoption dreams. You know, I don't care about the recognition, but it's really nice to have people know who my agency is and that I get chosen because of my reputation. So just having arrived as you know, I, my face says I'm 51, but my heart and my anxiousness around starting a new business is still fresh. Like it feels like it's still new. And here I am, you know, years later, um, I still feel like I'm young in this business, but watching someone respond to me or being asked to be on a radio show, like I've listened to your podcast. So I, honored to be here because I feel like you're putting me next to people that I, I don't know if I feel like I belong next to, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I, I'd say those are things that in your career, you, you kind of hope that somebody else sees you for what you're doing and, and that sees exactly where your heart is. And I, I feel like that's happening tenfold. So that would be what I would think to answer that question. So.
0: Well, and just, I just, you know, and I, I love from knowing you, you know, and by the way, your face doesn't really look 51, but
1: <laughs> I'll pay you later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is one of the most, that is one of the biggest delights of knowing you is that internal youthful spirit that is just so alive and so evident and so plugged in. And you are that person. I see you as that person that. That motivates and inspires and believes in so many people, and helps them become the best version of themselves. That truly is, I think, the gift that you bring.
1: Right back at you, Miss
0: Spark. Thank you, sis.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, as, as we wrap up, you know, Cindy, what what is your continued dream for adoption dreams come true?
1: You know, I'd love to. I never want to be a big agency. I just want to be the best. So, I want to continue to offer quality services but to also start looking at a succession plan i won't quit till i'm 70 but watching my my baby grow into be the adult that i want it to be and and make sure that it passes on to the right hands and um just continue to serve people in the way we do i i feel like uh It is a dream come true for me to watch it become what it's become. And so sustaining that and being able to, uh, I guess if I could have a big dream, which I think if you say it out loud, it might just happen is that someday, I'd like it to have enough money to just kind of rent like an endowment, or to just be able to always offer good service without worrying about the, where the money's going to come from. And um, again, I've stopped worrying because it always does come. But be sure, nice to to watch it grow to be this agency that's self-sustaining without even, you know, as much fundraising. Obviously, I'd like to just see it grow to be that kind of an agency.
0: Well, and I I know from knowing you that. Dreams really do
1: come true. Thank you.
0: It can happen. So, how can people donate to this wonderful, amazing foundation? How can they contribute?
1: They can uh, call the office, and we can do it via credit card over the phone. They can. There is a a link on my website that is called ClickBid. Um, and I, if you have trouble donating, you can just call the office, and we'll happily help you. You can also. Go to bingo on Monday. Um, You can send a check to the office. Um, What is the website, Cindy? The website is adoptiondreams.org. And there's lots of um, testimonials and family stories, like the one you saw at the video or the video at the auction. So if people want to see a little bit about what we do, there's stuff there for that.
0: Well, Cindy, thank you so much for being here. I mean, what a delight to have you. And it was great to be
1: here. Thank you.
0: I think it's really rare when we meet people who put other people first and put the needs and the desires of other people before their own. That has been my experience in my interview with Cindy Saray and in knowing her and her work. She has gone the extra mile over and over again to help other people's dreams come true. And along the way while doing that has also fulfilled her own dreams. Cindy is that kind of person who inspires others to become the best version of themselves. When Cindy walks in a room, she lights it up with her wonderful smile, her great sense of humor and her truly loving heart. We're blessed to have people like Cindy Saray in the world. They truly do make it a better place through hard work and dedication. Cindy teaches us, that our dreams truly are accessible, and that all of our dreams really can come true. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NoCo Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NoCo FM.